Hi, this is Robin McCauley. You are tuned in and listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to another week of Focus on Metal. So amazingly, this week, the guy at the beginning is actually the guy we got on the show. That's right. Once again, this week, we welcome back Robin McCauley to talk about the uh, latest release from Black Swan. And no, I don't mean the Korean girl pop group. That would be really strange to be on Focus on Metal. I'm talking, of course, about the uh, Frontiers artist, Black Swan. This is their second release, first one being Shake the World back in 2020. And wow, you know, same lineup again with Reb on guitar, Matt Starr on drums, Jeff Pilsen doing guitar, bass, little keyboards. And of course, our guest once again, Robin McCauley on vocals. So the new release is called Generation Mind and heavier than it was for the uh, the prior one. And even, you know, even the cover, when you look at it, it's got this weird drawing and it's almost like somebody's wearing one of those uh, those plague masks. I don't know if they did that intentionally or not, but uh, definitely a darker album than last time. And Richie and Robin will get into all of that as they talk their way through Generation Mind, as well as all kinds of other things, because... Ultimately, I really should be calling this thing two Irish guys talking because they are just kind of shooting the shit for the next hour. And along the way, they uh, they do get some black swan talk in there, but lots of other good stuff as well. And I will say very bizarre coincidence on this one as well that, you know, I ordered the vinyl for this way back when it got first announced and the uh, the CD rolled in like weeks ago and then Richie pinged me and told me he was going to be talking to Robin. And I just wrote back a bitchy text about the fact that I'm still waiting for my vinyl. Things released, vinyl hasn't shown up. And then, uh, bam, next day, vinyl shows up. So all comes together. Good show with our uh, great guest, Robin McCauley. I've lost count of how many times we've had the guy on the show. And I've also lost count of the number of vinyl that I have bought within the last few weeks. So there you go. All of that comes together with uh, this week's show, episode 533, with uh, one of our favorite guests, Robin McCauley. So with all of that out of the way, I'm going to turn it over to my buddy Richie and Robin McCauley. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, Robin, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Richie? I'm okay. Hope I didn't get you out of bed. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got me out, but not out of bed. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm all right. I'm uh, still out just outside of Boston. Haven't been home in about three years now. Oh, dear God. Yeah, what about you? When's the last time you were in Ireland? Oh, shit, I, I, I don't know. I think when, when my boys were like 18 or something. Okay. So that's... Uh, that's uh, Five years ago. Okay. Yeah, it's a pity the uh, the Michael Schenker shows that you're doing later this month, none of them are in Ireland. I know. Uh, who knows? You know, Ronnie, uh, Ronnie pulled out of the European tour. I was only supposed to do five shows like Spain and, and uh, Italy. And a week after I said yes, I get another email going, well, can you do the whole European tour? Ronnie can't do it. I don't know what he's doing. He's doing something else. You know, he does. He's doing just about everything. Yeah. Um. So I saw the North American uh, shows, and there's a lot of shows on there. Yeah. Um, I do have to. I will. I will do the uh, Steelhouse Festival in uh, North Wales, which is the end of July. Um. So who knows? Who knows what Ronnie will do? Maybe he's thinking, "Fuck that Schenker guy." <laughs> <laughs> Um, Robin, what's the toughest song from Michael Schenker's back catalogue to sing? Oh, jeez. Ask Graham Bonnet that one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask Graham Bonnet. I mean, I mean, if 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 we ever have to sing a Graham song, we're going, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, they're high. Yeah, because you know, and he's he's, I, and I've talked to Graham about that. And he goes, oh, and he's he's kind of a he goes. I, I bloody don't know how to do it any other way. 
Uh, you know, and and he he has a tough time repeating himself out there because he makes it almost impossible for himself to 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 keep up that standard. It's but you know he has a new record out, and I've listened to two tracks already. His new his new one is called Uncle John. It's it's pretty pretty much about you know an abusive school teacher or something. But Graham is he's phenomenal with his storylines and, 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 and his melodies. So um, he's still doing it, man. He's, he's incredible. So to answer your question, I would say anything to do with Graham Bonnet makes it difficult. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Robin, what's the sickest you've ever been before a show oh. and still been able to pull off the show? Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Totally voiceless. Nothing. I mean, nothing. Right up to the green light. And uh, I'm going, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here because I can't even speak. And, you know, you if you're traveling on a tour bus, you know, it's, it's, it's a capsule. And it's a capsule full of bugs. And you do everything that you're supposed to do. And you still get sick, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's um, when, when you're on the road and you're traveling, um, there's so many, and it depends where you're traveling. You know, if you're going East Coast, West Coast, just for an example, the the diverse weather conditions are just just that. They are very diverse, and you wrap up and you unwrap and and then you're tired. So if you have a combination of a very tired body, no matter what your age is, FYI, um, and and somebody around you is sick, or you yourself are not taking the necessary precautions so that you don't get sick then it's 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 an hellacious situation and i've i've had it um that i couldn't utter a word before going out on stage and i'll i'll have my facial steamers and all that sort of stuff which is really good because it's very necessary to stay and for me anyway to stay completely hydrated and and you just don't talk you just don't talk you know, eye contact. <laughs> mm. oh boy, I can make I can make pretty serious shitty eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> so have you ever, have you ever gone out on stage and then sang a couple of songs and then say, "Look, I I just can't keep going." No, no I've never done that. You've, so once no, you're out, never, once you're I've, out there, you've you've put your head down and and gone through it. Yeah, I've never I've never stopped in the middle of a show ever, and I have noticed that I've walked out literally. Richie, voiceless. I mean, gone. And somehow I'll, I'll navigate through the woods. And by the time sometimes I'll hit the third song, I'm going, ha, it's back. It's coming back gradually. And then I'll continue to navigate. And by the end of the set, I'm going, I have no idea how I did that, but it's over. And I'll I'll say the rosary ten times. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it does happen. I mean, it it just it just does happen. Mm. Um, but you try everything. I mean, for example, since we're on that subject, you know, um, when Ronnie pulled out of this European tour, which I leave next Friday, by the way, and I knew there was there was like five shows to do, and they're going, oh, please, could you do this? I need a spontaneous yes or no because we're we're in a we're 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 in a bind here. So I said yes. And not an hour later, uh, careful, Richie, what you say yes to. Not an hour later, man, I get the set list of 25 songs. And I'm going, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. I said, I said to Gina, my wife, I said, I'll be coming, coming home in a box. <laughs> um, Robin, any songs in the set that you've never done before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a bunch. There's a whole bunch. of. I mean, I had a copious amount of work to do because um, there's, you know, there's the Universal the universal album that Ronnie is on, and um, I'm not singing on that. So I'll be singing songs from, from him, and I'll be singing songs from, I can't remember his name, Shame on Me, Brain Fart, um, singing from Halloween. Uh, I could almost give... 
Robin a pass on this one because, hey, there are two vocalists in Halloween currently between Andy and Michael. But in this case, it is Michael Kiske who is guesting on Shanker's Universal. Hey, by the way, Ralph Schuppers is on there too. Just saying. So there's a couple of couple of three brand, brand new songs that, that have never seen the light of day by other singers. And they'll see the light of the day with me singing on it, which is kind of a bit of shit, really, because, you know, as a fan, I'd want to hear the original singer, you know? Yeah. But but but, but that's the kind of guy I am, man. <laughs> <laughs> How much rehearsal are you going to have with the band? Oh, my God. Um, I leave next Friday on the 22nd. We head into uh, Helsinki in Finland, and we have three days, and I'm talking three long days yeah. of rehearsal, and then we have the first show. So you, I'll have sang the show at least eight times by the time I do the first show. So <laughs> you have to add eight shows, and you have to do a full full routine, you know, like you're on stage, the whole deal, so that everybody knows, you know, they don't walk across each other. Yeah. Um, so I'll do about eight shows prior to the very first show, and every show I think is about two hours long. I think it's about a two-hour set. Wow. And so I'll do that before the first one in in Helsinki, and then I think we move we move to uh, I think it's Sweden, and then Denmark, and Amsterdam, and wherever. Okay. And then we move down through Germany, France. Um, into Spain and finish we finish in Rome on the May 15th I think it is something like that if I can remember off the top of my head something like that wow yeah there must be a couple of back-to-backs in there as well oh there's actually there's at least five at a time yeah at least five at a time yeah that's tough going so it's like uh, boys to men yeah you know or the sheep from the goats, or whatever you want, you know. <laughs> um, all I know is I won't be talking to anybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, as soon as the show is done, I'll go, yeah, good night, Irene. That's all she wrote. I'll see you tomorrow. And sound checks, sound checks are, are, are brutal because, you know, sound check is like another show. You doing meet, do you doing meet and greets? No, no, you know, the protocols are still in place. And that's another worrisome thing because. I know what I'm taking care of. I just have to, I have to depend on everybody else to do what I'm doing. Yeah, but you, if you know you, what I mean? If they don't do the meet and greets, you won't have to talk to anybody. Well, there is not. No, they're not going to do meet and greets, and they're not going to allow people backstage, which is good. So the, those restrictions are in place. I was talking to Reb the other day, and Reb goes also to Jeff, and he goes because White Snake and um, the Foreigner will be in the UK for shows. And I think the protocols with Whitesnake are stay in the room uh, unless you have to be in the show area. And nobody allowed backstage, and if necessary, you can have your catering brought to your room, but no mixing. No mixing with anybody. So wow. there's heavy, heavy protocols um, already in, in place with that. Jeff just finished, uh, Jeff just finished a run in Vegas. And I know that Raiding the Rock Vault is, I did some voiceovers last night, in actual fact, in the studio for, for ads, etc. And Rock Vault will kick back in. Um, I don't know if it's been advertised yet, but I know they will kick back in about June 3rd or something. Nice. Yeah. And then they start off like three nights, four nights, and then they'll be back to a full-on five nights a week. You got the same crew with Paul Shortino and all the other guys back? Um, so far, I think so, yes. And I think there's there's add-ons now because um, I think there'll be a lot of rotations because, of course, we're coming into summer and people will be jumping out to get on tours and stuff, you know. Mm. So there'll, there'll, be like a, there'll be like a swing cast, if you will, you know. Yeah. At the revolving door. That's the way it should be because it takes the pressure off somebody having to be there every night, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I amassed, uh, shoot, almost 1,500 shows. Wow. Which was right up to pre-pandemic. Yeah. That's a lot of work, man. <laughs> Robin, it's a general question about your voice. Yeah. How do you keep your voice in shape? Um, do you, do you have, over the years, have you gone to vocal coaches as you get older, or is it just... You know what works for you, and that's it. I had vocal coaches right at the beginning of my whole, you know, uh, 
escapade, and that's a very, very long time ago. Um, I suppose, you know, I, I, there's a bunch of different factors. Um, I it's my instrument, Richie. I, I really do take. I'm an, I'm anal about the whole thing. I can think myself into getting sick. At least that's what my wife tells me. <laughs> um, and I um I take all the necessary precautions, like we were just saying. You know, it's it's um I worry about it, and stress, of course, can really be uh, a very negative way of reacting because if you're stressed, it, stress goes straight to the vocal cords. So it's very difficult, but at the same time, you have to learn a discipline to to alleviate the stress ac- uh, aspect, and and you just have to stay calm and and rest. Rest is paramount. If you rest your vocal cords, you're at least it's half the battle. There's a lot more to it, you know, with with um, hydration very very quiet vocal like warm-ups that sort of stuff warm downs after the show um which you you know you learn if you ever do take vocal lessons and that's been a long time but over the years i've managed to develop like a technique i have a great habit of not over singing and i know there's a lot of singers have a tendency to sort of shout because they feel that that's the way they can be louder but that's not a vocal technique it's just it's the ruination of your vocal cords but some some singers just do it that that's their style it's not my style mm. you know so i have a tendency to um to scope it out and feel it uh, on the night and every night can be different because you can be more elevated than you were the night before or less and then you you navigate through that and you go, okay, this is what I need to do tonight. Nobody will notice. You notice. I notice, you know, because that's what I do. But um, you learn to um, maneuver and know what your capabilities are on the night. And then you make it work because, you know, I hate personally, I like to hear songs like they were recorded. I, I hate the ducking and diving and going, it doesn't sound anything like the song. You know? yeah. Um so I'm, I'm I'm not one of those. I like I like to keep the the integrity of the song how it was recorded as near as damn it. So I put a lot of pressure on myself when it comes to that sort of stuff because I look forward to it if I go to see a band. So I I can't complain about somebody else if if I'm the one falling short, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So so I tried to make it work. Um so far so good, touch wood. Of course there's some nights, you know, it's showtime and I'm going, I would do anything not to do this show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I would do anything. <laughs> I would do any almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> so of course there's there's all of that. I mean it's just just how we are you know it's a we're human and it's it's um it's a physical act you know it's a very very physical act and and um it's it's you're not plugged into an amp you know yes we have a microphone you know but it's your physical air that's that's been pumped through that microphone you know and uh, out of which comes a res- you know a response from your monitors or wherever and of course we wear i do i wear my in-ear monitors which gives me a lot of additional control and a lot of people could probably not stand the level that i have my in-ears in but not enough that it's going to be damaging to to my uh, ears yeah so that's another thing and i have i have uh, monitor guys that i'm able to give them my settings and they can respond to me and and they'll they'll tweak it and you're in constant eye contact and like again it's a show it's a show and it's super important that uh, you you create a show and it's entertainment and you don't want to be bugging an audience no matter how hardcore they are you know complaining about technical issues that's bullshit yeah. you know Robin, and everybody, everybody has bullshit, uh, has technical issues, yeah. you know. But you, you, uh, that's why you have people back there working on it, you know. Yeah. Do, is there like the last couple of years now? You've had your solo album, couple of Black Swan albums. You've been on a couple of Shankar albums. Is there a different mindset to you when you're recording vocals in the studio as compared to live shows, or is it just all vocals to you? 
No, that's a that's an excellent question. No, it is different. It it absolutely is different. Black Swan. Let's let's begin with Black Swan. Um, actually, let's go back to my period of MSG, if you will. I mean, there was a sound, if you will, at that in at that time of the eighties. You know, there was, and I'm just going to by that I'm going to say, you know, you had your your wingers and your Def Leppards and you had your White Snakes and you had your Bon Jovis and you had your um, Slaughters and you had, there was a sound. There was a sound, there was the sound of the 80s. That's all we, That's all you can say. You know, it wasn't alternative. It wasn't grunge. It was It was 80s hair metal rock. And, and with that came a sound, a Def Leppard sound. And so you find yourself in that niche and you find yourself in the production of that niche. So you're going to have that sort of, yeah, this is it. That's totally 80s, right? And that's why you can differentiate and you get, you know, um, five-finger dead punch. You're going, this doesn't sound 80s. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there you have it. So so now you're onto a different genre, a different style of production, and a different uh, approach to recording to to uh, gain that sort of sound. And when I hit the Black Swan stuff, one of the greatest things that that, uh, always sticks out of my mind was Jeff Pilsen. Hey, this is Jeff Pilsen, and you are listening to Focus on Metal. Enjoy. Whom I've known, as you know, for, for a lifetime. Jeff said, you're going to sing the way you sing, and I'm going to record you the way you sing. And you're going to sound like you not processed not anything and you know typically i have i have a i'm not a clean singer i have a pretty decent range but i'm not a clean singer that's not my style i have a pretty coarse sort of scratchy type vocal approach and i can turn that on and off depending on my vocal range i can be really clean really soft but i can flick the switch and i can give you all the rasp that you want and Jeff was just really good with capturing all of that. So I could basically record me for Black Swan in this current time period. And um, I couldn't be happier with it. It's Because it was like, you don't have the pressure that we had from the 80s of it has to be a certain way, it has to be a certain sound, a particular type of song, you know, you got to get into the charts, you got to get MTV, all that bullshit that came with it. But when I say bullshit, it was paramount because you just had to sound a certain way, you know, to fit into that sort of mold. And and I suppose we did or we didn't, whatever, but, you know, however you feel about it. Um, Black Swan, I just love it. We just go for it and it's, it's, it, it, it kicks ass, and, and, and I love where it's at. Hmm. So it, I, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it but does. It does. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me what you're saying then, Robin, is you can be yourself now, whereas before you were being pushed in 10 different directions depending on who was talking to you. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's still you singing, obviously. Yeah. But, but there, was, there, was, there was an approach, and you had producers wearing the caps of the 80s who knew that they needed to produce a sound, not just a vocal sound, but a particular guitar tone, a drum sound. I mean, everybody wanted to have a, a Van Halen snare drum at one point, you know, and it was like, come on, you know? And, and, and it was because there was a sound. This is what works. This is what works. And you were like, okay, what do you want me to do? Sing by numbers here, you know? And, and that got lifted. And I think when grunge came out, you know, it was a whole different set of tools. Different. I mean, listen to all the different vocal tones from Eddie Vedder to to God rest his soul, Chris Cornell, who was absolutely phenomenal. But they didn't sound like eighty singers, did they? No, not it at all. It was immediately. It was immediately after the whole hairband eighties, right? Yeah. And then you had alternative music that was completely different again. A whole different approach, different tone to the vocals that you instinct just, you heard it on the radio and you go, it's alternative. How did you, how, why were you able to do that? Because there was, there was a sound that was produced to make it that sound. And if in the middle of a, a, uh, let's just say for the bad, worst example, let's say you had a, a sound garden track on the radio followed by a Pearl Jam, f- followed by Nirvana, followed by 
let me think of one of the big alternative bands, you could tell the difference. And if you immediately after that stuck Poison on or Def Leppard or Bon Jovi, you would go, ha, we're back to the 80s. Wouldn't you do that? I think, Robin, a lot of that is reverb. Yeah. <laughs> you could be right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, have a, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's, um, you know, it's different techniques have changed too, you know. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't sing like Eddie. I could imitate Eddie Vedder if I wanted to, but it doesn't make me Eddie Vedder, you know. Mm. Um, if I said to you the new Black Swan album, it definitely rocks more than the debut and it's a little bit darker. Would you agree <laughs> with that? Um, I don't know if it's darker. Um, maybe it is. Um, what I, I'm talking about some, talking about some of the riffs. Yeah, they're a bit heavier than on yeah, the Yeah, heavier. I mean, yes. I, I, I mean, I could go straight to it by saying, you know, Crown, for example, yeah. Wicked the Day. Um, uh, I I absolutely love that stuff. Um, it's it's definitely different tunings um, again, and because that's how the music came to me. I instinctively went down that road also lyrically and, and melodically. And it was it was an absolute, I don't want to say joy because that sounds really hokey, but it really was awesome to work in that new parameter. It was just, I had so much fun with it. And and, um, and I dug deep, you know, Wicked Today, for example, is actually lyrically all about King Arthur, believe it or not, because, you know, he had a bastard son <laughs> okay. Uh, more uh, Mordred, and I went. There's an interesting subject, and then I I, I I love to read up on stuff, and then that's where all that came about. Crown, you could think it was biblical in its lyrical content, and it kind of is, but isn't because it's really about the the uh, the demigods from Zeus to you know Thor and all of that and you know when I was reading up on that just on that subject Zeus who was the god of gods was somewhat of a womanizer and it's kind of funny because everybody knew that he was so he would disguise himself as a horse <laughs> thinking that nobody would recognize who he was and so he could have multiple affairs but you know <laughs> What's the old saying? Is it an Irish saying? You know, a horse of a different color? <laughs> yeah, still a horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I, I work on, on stuff like that, and, and I think Crown and Wicked Today are huge songs. Miracle is, is a little dark also. It's the new single, by the way. Yeah. Miracle. Uh, another approach. It's yeah, I, I love this record. I mean, it's obviously I'm on it, and I'm going to say that, but but I do. I think it's a great record. Mm. Robin, I want to ask you about your friendship with Jeff Pilson, and I know yeah. you're, I know you're great friends with him. When is the first time you met Jeff? Oh, um, I met Jeff. Um, I met Jeff in the Valley when he lived in a different house, and he was not married at the time. And we used to hang. Uh, we used to hang at a club in, in Hollyweird, and he used to hang out a lot with James Kotak. Hey, this is James Kotak, and you're listening to Focus on Metal with Scott and Richie. And I think it was like Thursday nights or something. There was always like a big jam session that went on at this at this club, and you'd have the likes of Sam Kinison there. Bruce Spr uh, Springsteen showed up a bunch of times. Um, Oh dear God! There was it was just a it was it was an open forum, if you will. People would just keep coming in and going out, and so I got to know Jeff, and I got to know James Kotak, and right at that time was when Michael and I recorded the last MSG Studio album, the MSG record, produced by Kevin Beamish, and Michael was thinking that. We should do something a little bit different and 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 maybe not have the quote unquote the Macaulay Schenker guys in and do something different. And I went, Well, I know the perfect rhythm section and I called in Jeff and James who recorded the last MSG studio record. And Jeff and I developed just a really good, strong buddy relationship and his wife 
now Ravinder, whom he's been married to for years. Um, I met Ronnie James Dio through through uh, through Jeff and a plethora of of, of other well knowns, and we stayed best friends. And then Jeff was best man at our wedding. Nice. And so we've known him for he's like family, Jeff. Really, you know, we've we've known him for thirty plus years. Plus the fact he came out on the uh, American leg for the most part in the beginning, the beginning leg of the uh, of the Unplugged tour, and um, he's just a wonderful human being. He really is, and how he has developed over the years. Not just always a great bass player. Just he's an incredible songwriter, arranger, amazing engineer and producer. I mean, he's he's a blast to work with. He's really fast, but he's really good. I mean, his ears, he's got it. Oh, man. He, he can hear a pin drop in the middle of a mix, and I'm going, how did you hear that? He goes, because <laughs> you dropped the pin, Macaulay, that's why. <laughs> is it, Robin, is it weird having your best friend produce you? Because sometimes they have to bark at you to get a performance out of you. No, no. If anything, I'm surprised we get anything done because, because <laughs> we use this stuff. And it's true because we'll go in and we start talking about bullshit, something. Yeah. And I'm going, should we, we should probably get some work done here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and what's, what's great is uh, we flick the switch, Richie. I yeah. mean, we'll, we really do. We flick the switch and we go, okay, better get this done. And and usually when I go to Jeff, you know, uh, Reb and, and Jeff will will get into the woodshed and start shredding, and then they'll send me a bunch of tunes and go have at it, you know. And then I'll work, I'll do my part of it, and I'll work up lyrics and melodies, and then I'll come to Jeff, and we'll do pre-production. I'll basically, you know, in the control room sing down what I have and he goes this is killer um, change that word don't change that word maybe change that phrase use this one here purely pre-production purely arrangement getting the stronger aspects of a particular song into the right sequence and I'll usually write up to the microphone and, and start laying it down hmm. and that's usually how we work and of course I brought my son Casey back in on this one too Yeah, and he also sing backups on this and he's just getting better and better and better and I've just submitted I'm jumping around the place here but um, I just submitted all the songs for my next solo my follow up solo they yeah. actually want another one nice <laughs> nice that's kind of that's kind of funny and Casey wants to uh, sing backups on that which which is going to be a lot of fun yeah um, and he wants to play rhythm guitar on a couple of tracks too so nice have you ever been in a so um we're we're we're, we're busy we're 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 chalking it up and if that wasn't enough i have another there was a, another song up on youtube from uh tommy denander's radioactive album that got a great reception and that song was written by mutt lang and uh i never thought i'd actually be singing a mutt lang song yeah, there you go. yeah. <laughs> so that's up there and then there's another thing out of the uh, out of the uk uh, from Escape Records, and um, they just dropped uh, a huge record called Circle of Friends with Doro and Jeff Scott Soto and, oh my God, James Christian, um, Tony Arnell, uh, Mark Bowles is on there, um, Joel Hoekstra is playing, oh, it just goes, the list is endless, and uh, I have um, two songs on there, and there's another solo record coming out of the label, um, that I'm also on, so they're keeping me busy. I, I'm more busy now than I ever was. Mm. Ro Robin, <laughs> have you ever been in a in a band with a guitar player that plays like Reb? Um, no, no, I haven't, and 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 that's what makes this really unique for me because the man has so much melody. I mean, he's just. He just does it. He just comes up with this stuff, and I'm going, oh, dude, that is just awesome. You know, and I learned the other day, actually, um, I learned the other day that Reb was seven. No, he was 14 when he wrote the riff to 17. The little shit. <laughs> 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 you know, and he comes to me and we'll be talking about the songs and um, 
when uh, when when the label dropped, uh, we knew the Generation Mind would most likely be the first single, and they wanted something else. They wanted something else for for the second single, and Reb and I were going, no, dude, it's got to be Eagle Fly. And I was telling him that, I said, you remember when we did Shake the World, you know, the rest, the opening rest on Immortal Souls really got me going because it sounded like something I had heard, uh, like like wolves and stuff. And he goes, dude, what are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, seriously, listen to this, this, this lick right here. And he goes, well, I suppose. I mean, you hear it, I don't. And the same happened on the opening lick on, on uh, Eagle Fly because I was a big Jeff um, Jeff Lynn when he produced War of the Worlds way, way, way back. And he had David Essex and Phil Lynott. Um, he had Justin Hayward and he had uh, Richard Burton do the narration for the H.C. Wells uh, War of the Worlds. And I heard something that sounded like one of the aliens. And so I completely wrote Eagles Fly to do with War of the Worlds. And the video is kind of the same, you know, a derelict building and a yada yada. And I'm telling this to Reb and he's going, hmm, well, as long as you hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's what he does. I mean, he plays this stuff. He just lets it fly. And and his, his melodies are just deep. They're just great melodies. And his guitar tone is just... just it's a, I think it's just a great great guitar player yeah that's all I'm saying. Yeah. he's just a great guitar player and he's a joy to work with and so i got a little little funny aside when we were shooting the videos and we were just wandering around waiting for our to get to do our stuff you know he said to jeff and myself he goes uh dudes um you think we'd be any good live <laughs> come on really <laughs> and jeff, said, jeff said um jeff said yeah Probably not. <laughs> so there's there is there is this great sort of sort of dry humor, you know, and um, it's it's fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun to work with, and and I wish we could work more. But you know, we're busy, and busy is great. And you know, like I guess, like the last time we said that, ideally, what would be great for the band would be festivals i guess it would be the perfect forum um no pun intended because you know a lot of people in the same place at the same time as i like to say yeah and it would, it would kind of make perfect sense if such a thing was uh was to be able to uh come to pass i oh. suppose robin um i, I just yeah. want, i just want i don't want to keep you all day i just want to finish uh, up um i'm going to name some bands that you toured with in the past right um, i want to ask you about is there any particular show you did with them that stands out or anything that, you know, you got to know one of the band members really well because of this tour? Um, I'm going to start with the Reading Festival in 82. What are your oh, memories of that? Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. Well, um, that's, a, that's, yeah, that's an easy one because um, when we, uh, we Grand Prix were rehearsing um, the lead up to the festival, um, Next door, uh, we had a band called Samson, and Bruce Dickinson was the singer with Samson. And Bruce and our bass player, Ralph, um, used to share an apartment in London, or as they would call it, a flat, right? Mm -hmm. And um, they were really good buddies. We became good buddies with Bruce and, and of course, the rest of the guys in, in, in uh in, in Samson, the drummer from Samson, by the way, went on to play with Simple Minds throughout all of their massive careers. So, an amazing drummer. Anyway, so um, when we did the Reading Festival, it's, you know how they say it's a small world. There's like 50 people in the world, and the rest are just mirrors. Mm -hmm. And I always remember. I think I was walking towards the stage preset, and I remember. And I'm going to jump around here a little bit too because I remember Lemmy was walking towards me and and we had been rehearsing also motorhead were next door to us so lemmy's walking towards me i had never spoken to lemmy right so i'm i'm a young man and i'm thinking oh shit lemmy's coming towards me right and and i was completely like <laughs> in awe of the man and he looks at me and all i could think of like duh 
dumb shit. I'm going, hey, Lemmy, how's it going? So <laughs> 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 this is God's truth, right? And he looks at me and he goes, so far, so good, right? <laughs> and this is true. This is true. So I'm going to skip around here a little bit. So Bruce, as you know, did the show, Pollyanna's last show with, with Maiden. And we came back to the rehearsal room, continue rehearsing. Samson came back in. Bruce comes into our room and he said, Harry asked me to join Maiden. Harry, as we used to call him, right? Yeah. And he goes, I don't know what to do. <laughs> We're looking at each other going, what do you mean you don't know what? I think we almost pummeled him to death, you know, because he was such a stupid ass. You know, you don't know what to do. And then we got the we, we got the, uh, we got the Iron Maiden tour at the opening slot for uh, Bruce's first tour, which is uh, Peace of Mind. Okay. And and so, of course, we got to know all the men. Bruce, uh, Nico and my kids have taken a ton of photos. And I remember talking to Steve Harris after a show one day, and I went, what's, what's the Maiden thing, Steve? And he goes, what do you mean what the Maiden? I said, well, you guys just come out, and it's just like, you know? And he goes... What we do, mate, he says, and I'm going to quote him, he goes, we come out, we kick him in the balls, they go down, and if they get up, we kick him in the balls again. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, short and sweet, you know? Yeah. And um, and I got, to, of course, then we, we did Leopard, got to know all the Leopard guys, because our bass player, Rocky Newton, um, sang on backup vocals on, on Pyromania and uh, Hysteria. Right. And so we got, we got, yeah. So we got to know all of the, uh, all the leopard guys, and of course Vivian's Irish, of course. Yeah. And I used to see Vivian here uh, in Hollywood at, a, at, at an Irish pub called Molly Malone's because we used to go watch Flog and Molly. You're familiar with Flog and Molly, yes, right? I am. Yeah. So Dave King is like a little brother. Dave would spend more time at my house than he would at his, <laughs> right? And, and and so we would hang and. Uh, Got to know Vivian, and so there was this whole sort of, you know, backstage kind of, you know, I know him and he knows me, and and just regular, regular, regular dudes, just good people. Robin, um, Robin, but, did did you know Gary Moore, who played on when the Reading Festival the same day as you? Um, I, I how do I answer this? So, so we're in uh, MSG are in, uh, we're on tour uh, in Europe with with Def Leppard. And uh, we come through Amsterdam, and we're staying in the same hotel as uh, Gary Moore. And Gary's at the bar. I came down, and I think we were talking to Steve Clark, God rest his soul, at the time. And I get this tap on the shoulder. Gary would like to have a word with you. (laughs) 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 So I sidle up to the bar and I'm going, he's going to beat the shit out of me. (laughs) 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 So Gary says to me in his best Northern Ireland accent, he goes, no. (laughs) He said, I wanted you to be my singer. And then I see you on the front cover of Kerrang! magazine with Shanker. And he goes, and I go, well, fuck him and fuck Shanker. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And I went, and I went for, for a very long time. I went, um, and Neil Carter actually was the one that tapped me on the shoulder. Remember Neil? His From UFO, player, yeah. Player. And yeah. Um, I, I thought for many, many years, what would that have been like? I mean, now we're talking Gary Moore on guitar. I saw Gary with, with Lizzie. You know? Oh, you lucky man. Yeah, I saw Gary with Lizzie. I saw Lizzie. Here's one for you. I saw Lizzie when I was 12 years of age, sitting cross-legged in a tiny little town called Navan in County Meath. I know Navan. Right? Yeah, so I was born like on the hill of Tara. I was born just below the hill of Tara, which is what, five miles outside of Navan or something? Yeah. And uh, well, I sat watching Thin Lizzie with, with Phil, obviously, Brian Downey on drums and Eric Bell on guitar. Beat that one. Wow, that's <laughs> late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, and, and they had just released Whiskey Whiskey in the Jar. Whiskey in the Jar was a big hit at Radio Luxembourg because you know it was nighttime radio, rock radio. You couldn't get that played on daytime radio in Ireland, you know, at the yeah, time. Yeah. And um, then, of course, many, 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 many years later, I end up in a band with Brian Robertson, and I also end up recording with uh, Scott Gorham. Yeah. And uh, 
I mean, what a small world. And the Lemmy story, right, several years later, I mean, several. Because now I just met him, but so far, so good. <laughs> um, at the Reading Festival, I ended up playing with Filthy, of course. Uh, after Filthy and Robbo left Motorhead, I had a band together with, with Robbo and Chris Lynn from MSG. Yep. And uh, Filthy. And... Um, there's another small world. I come to the States, and I'm at the Rainbow Bar in Rome one night. Lemmy comes in. He sees me. He gives me the nod, and I go, Hey, Lemmy, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> and I can promise you, as I sit here, the first thing he said to me was, So far, so good. <laughs> 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 and that is true, dude. I told everybody the same story because I'm going, Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Robin, did you, get, did you get to hang with David Coverdale much? I used to hang. David used to come up on the side of the stage when we opened for Whitesnake. And he would shout at me. He'd go, Come here, Rob! <laughs> and, you know, Dave's, Dave's such a very grand English accent. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's not from that. He's not from London. No, he's not. Yeah. No. He's, 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 I think he's a bit, you know, down road for a bit of all this, like, you know. Mm -hmm. He's like, talks a bit like Joe Elliott, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but not when he's talking on camera, darling. <laughs> 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 but you know there's some there's some uh, um, I can't imagine what they're saying but anyway there are some just great great individuals great characters just good people out there right. what, you about, know? what about touring with Rush Tour, yes of course you remember that um, yeah um, I thought, always thought Rush was a, a a mixed match for us for us really but the fans seemed to like it I don't think they were expecting it because MSG opening up for Rush a very a very speaking of a horse of a different color you know um, quite amazing watching Neil Peart and and, and uh, Getty Lee and it's just I mean it's it was mind-boggling to be honest yeah just watching them perform um, just amazing just complex massive productions just good stuff I mean just awesome stuff Awesome. Were the Rush crowd tough to open for? Yes, of course. Of course, because we were, you know, we had our select few in the audience, but they were there to see Rush. And, and Rush fans are Rush fans. Yeah, they're loyal. And that's all that's to it. And so, of course, there's, you know, there's some rock heads in there, but, but it's a different, it's a, it's a different, you know, it's, it's like what we were talking about earlier sound sure they came out of that period but man they didn't sound like anybody else hmm. you know now, now here's and, a, um, yeah go on now here's a mismatch for you Robin and I don't know how many shows you did with them and I've only I've got one or two more to talk about you did shows with the Black Crows yeah they no no correction they did shows with us <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but they were no, they, they opened they just they released their, their shake, debut shake the money say yeah. again they just released their debut album. Yeah, Shake the Moneymaker was the first one out out the gate, and they were, there's a great band. That oh, band yeah. was awesome. Band was awesome. Uh, great songs, great performance. Um, uh, just a little indie story. Um, so Chris Chris Robinson, because I have a habit of spinning my microphone, you know, stand right. Yeah. So I'd be spinning this thing, and of course I had a, a gadget to make it spin faster because I devised something that's just patented to me. But anyway, he saw me backstage one night and he's got his microphone stand in his hand and he's he's pulling at it and he's going, how do you do that? Because, you know, he's very much sort of the Rod Stewart influence thing, you know? And I went, dude, I knew Rod Stewart before you were born. <laughs> right? and uh, Rod Stewart is a I'm like I'm a huge Faces fan so I went you know fuck off this is my thing not yours <laughs> so he's trying to spin this thing and I'm going oh Chris it's, it's all in the wrist action son <laughs> <laughs> and I never told him how I did it showed him how I did it you know they used to they used to be making fun of Shanker up at the back of the hall because again 
different genre. Yeah. And at the time, at the time, his brother really couldn't really play guitar. He played bar chords. And, and the Schenker fans would be making fun of him because they knew he wasn't really very good. And years later, dude, he's out with Paul Rogers, some bad company. You know? Yeah. And that's how far he came. And I can tell you that because Howard Leese, of course, who's in Rockbolt, sang his praises. He said, the guy's great. He's just really good. Um, so he worked at his craft over all of those years. And, um, you know, Jimmy Page came out and did a show with him when we were on tour. And and so did uh, um, Denny Lane came out and, 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 and played keyboards one night with him. Okay. And... Uh, it's just good stuff, man. It's just no uh, matter, you know. It was it was great for them. They never looked back. They just they did just tremendously well. But they weren't just a good band. I mean, live they were just kicking ass. Mm. Sounded like the record. Really good to watch. Very entertaining, and just a, a, a you know a bucket of great tunes. So um, mismatch or not, it was huge for them. Huge. Robin, did you get to hang much with Steve Clark? Oh, we would see poor Steve. Oh man, you know he he'd be the first to the bar, man. After a show, you know, very very quiet, very unassuming. Always stick to himself. Talk to people if they came up to him, but for the most part, he was. I always saw Steve as somewhat of a loner, you know. Yeah. But a super super nice nice guy and a great guitar player, man. He slung that axe way down below his knee. People were going, "How did he do that?" You know, and for years, a lot of kids would go, no, I want to play like Steve Clark did. I want to drop that guitar below my knee. And I remember uh, um, guitar tutors would go, learn how to play it first before you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is true. Yeah. You know, yeah, learn how to play it first before you. But he had a great style, dude. He was awesome. Do, do, you, remember, yeah. do you remember at the time looking at Steve at all and thinking, mm, maybe there's going to be a problem here? Um... Or maybe mm, I, I, didn't, I didn't know him. You didn't well know him enough. that well, okay. No, I didn't know him well enough for that. No. Okay, well, there was a lot of partying going on with everybody at that stage, probably. You know, it's had a great time to remember a thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, the, fi- the, the final shows I want to ask you about, Robin, before I leave you go. You did yeah. unplug shows for the self titled album. <gasps> what are your memories of doing those? Oh, that was some of my best times. Because I really thought that, um, I thought the songs, everybody says, you know, if you write a good song, um, and it sounds good on acoustic guitar, it's a good song. And I thought we had some really cool tunes, and we captured it really well live uh, with just two acoustic guitars and a tambourine, for God's sake. And, and, you know, MTV Unplugged was huge at the time, and... Uh, almost everybody that came out to do MSG Unplugged had like uh, stand-up bass, they had something, something, something. They didn't come out of, with just acoustic guitars. They had, you know, they brought the, the pens and the pots with them. We didn't. We just went out with two acoustic guitars, one 12-string, one 6-string. And uh, I, it was some of the best time. And I think the Unplug, MSG Unplugged record, I think, sounds terrific. Yeah. Even today. And that was recorded actually uh, when DAT first were introduced. Yamaha gave us a whole setup so we could uh, sort of test run it. And uh, it sounded amazing. Yeah, those are good memories. I had a great time on that. Who's your. Met my wife wife during that particular moment. (laughs) You'd you'd Spencer Serkham as the other guitar player, didn't you? Yes, he was from Shark Island. That's right. Yeah. That's what, yes. What's, what's he doing now, Robin? Do you know? Are you keeping touch um, with him? I, I read something recently that there was a new Shark Island record. I don't know if he's on it, but um, sad story for, for for Spencer. He um, he married a girl from our um, from our sound company uh, back in Germany, and so when we were on the Unplugged tour, I guess there was whole this whole secretive affair going on that we never really saw because they were really good at keeping it secret and anyway he ended up marrying her and um, had a baby and they came to hang with Gene and myself and our little boys at the time and uh, sadly extremely sadly Susie passed away she got cancer and it was Uh just 
it was terrible. And he he decided to move to Germany. He was in Pasadena, uh, and he moved to Germany, um, and um, he kind of went into the background. And uh, his son his son posted a lot of stuff, and I managed to contact him through his son, who's a brilliant musician. Yeah. I spoke to him a couple of times over the years, but he uh, he became very reserved and I think never really came back out of the dark after that. Yeah, yeah. it was a sad time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Robin, listen, I'm going to leave you go. Always a pleasure. I love you, dude. It's been always a blast. Yeah. Did we actually talk anything about the record? I can't remember. Yeah, we did. We got. I, I made sure to get some of it in there. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you were right yesterday. We don't do interviews. We just chat. Yeah, well, the interviews are boring shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 hate, I hate I hate that term interview. I hate oh, it. Oh my god, you and me both. That's which is why I came back and it's like, no, this is much better. It's good to chat. Yeah, it's good to chat. All right, Robin, have a good rest of the day and good luck in Europe in a couple in a, a couple of weeks. Thanks, Richie. God bless you. Stay well. Okay. I will. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Here you go. Another great chat with Richie and Robin. And as I promised up front, all kinds of stuff in there, because obviously Robin plays with a bunch of people. So all kinds of history, good stuff in there. And, you know, like I also promised, we get in a little bit of Black Swan as well. And, you know, if you haven't been able to uh, pick that up yet, do yourself a favor. Go ahead and do that. Uh, obviously, uh, you can get it on CD, and uh, there's also a vinyl version that may still be available out there. I don't know. I know for some of these vinyls coming out of Frontiers, they do sell out quickly. I know that I did totally space it, and I missed out on getting Robin's last solo album on vinyl because, yep, that thing sold out. And while we're talking limited releases, just a reminder that uh, this week, uh, you know, when this drops, coming up this Saturday on the 23rd of April is uh, record store day and it's kind of weird i almost thought this was going to be a one year only thing but here it is years in and we're still doing this and i'll say that you know looking at at least some of the titles that have already been announced for uh for release or at least pre-ordering there's really not a heck of a lot of metal in there this year i will say that there is a uh clear lp version of the new def leopard one diamond star halos that's on the list for a record store day pre-order but there are always other surprises that pop up as well because that's the idea is uh, if they just tell you everything then you're not going to bother to go to your record store right you're going to sit at home and order the stuff and have it arrive and this really is kind of more of a social event so uh if you've got a local record store that participates in record store day then I do urge you to go out there, take part in that, and see what other really cool stuff might pop up for RSD 2022. I, I know I've got a bunch of stuff over the years. I've got some really nice Dio stuff, some great priest stuff. So, uh, again, yeah, like I said, Record Store Day coming up this Saturday. Go out and celebrate with your favorite vinyl dealer that's as long as you're a vinyl maniac like i am and i know that the ranks of those of us are growing every single day and also while you're at it and looking at vinyl you know robin did mention that uh, shanker's universal will be coming out you might want to head up to nuclear blast and pre-order that it's actually currently not available in the u.s store so if you go up to nuclear blast and you search shanker and it says hey you want to go to your local store click no you want to stay on the eu store because that's right now the only place that you're able to pre-order shanker's universal and it's available on cd and as of right now there's three different versions of the vinyl also available just different limited colors I think the run is like 300 a piece or something. And I know that as of last Friday night, there were uh, still some of them available. They were down to like under 30 of each one. But if you want to get yourself the uh, Shanker Universal on a limited vinyl, you probably want to get in there quickly. So I hope you enjoyed this week's show. You know, it's always great when we have Robin on. He's always upbeat and uh, just carries through with everything. He's a great interview. And we got another great one coming up as of right now next week. And now that'll all depend on my timeline and being able to get it all done. I have done some partial work on it already. And that is a great interview that Richie did with Warren's Joey Allen doing a bit of an anniversary chat 
for the uh, release Dog Eat Dog. So Richie had a really long talk with Joey, and that might even be something we do over two episodes. We'll see how it goes. But uh, that's right now. I'm looking for that for next week. Like, And, you know, the audio, I've got it mostly edited as well, and I just have to mi- mix it into a show and do all the other massaging on it, all that good stuff. And it's just a matter of time and energy and everything else to, to push through and get it done. But as of right now, that's what we're looking for for next week is a great talk with uh, with Joey Allen of Warrant. But for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, as always, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. You're still here? It's over. Go home.